Welcome back to the Prospecting Show. We're here late at night, uh, a little bit later on the East Coast here, 718 on February 20th with my man, Mike Lloyd. How are you? I am fantastic. How you doing? Good, good. So, you know, kind of to lay the fr- framework here, a little foundation for the, the listeners. Uh, what do you do? Tell us about you. I help leaders get the most out of their teams. Uh, basically figuring out like how do we get the right people to do what they want to do, uh, things they're best at, and create productivity and a place where people want to show up and actually crush it. And, and that's absolutely the perfect ex- example of what you do from, from my understanding. So let, let's, let's roll it back a little bit for a second here and let's talk about where a company is before they get to you. So, so tell us about like that kind of avatar, that kind of customer, that client base. Where are they before they start reaching out to somebody like you typically? Totally. So in my experience, somebody has been, you know, either found them on a podcast or read a book or something. And they're like, okay, this is a tactic. I feel like it could solve this thing that's happening in my business. Like maybe our sales numbers are slipping or I am having the hardest time getting that other department to just fill out the forms that we need them to fill out. Um, there's there's some sort of people issue in the business and it's frustrating and they don't know what to do about it. Uh, and so that's when they give me a call. And, and for the people that come to you and say, hey, we have, we have this particular problem, are they usually correct in diagnosing the problem they have or do they usually not even know what their problem is? It's like when you take your car in and you're like, it's making this weird noise and people make all these crazy sound effects. That's what the phone call is like. Uh, they're giving me the symptoms and the problem is elusive. Or it's like, well, I went on to WebMD and it says that this is what's up with my staff. Um, it's like, well, they don't all have cancer. So let's backtrack a little bit and figure out like what's actually going on. And, and what do you see as the most common issue that businesses have? I know there's a, there's big businesses, small businesses, a lot of people, just a few people, but there's got to be some common trends that you see with the type of consulting and overhauling. Uh, it's all the same thing. It's like when people ask, what industry do I work in? Like the one of people. Um, and I know that's like the worst thing you can do to position yourself in a business, but it is all people and it's the same problem. So uh, one of the huge things uh, with communication is speculation. So you're like, well, these people aren't getting back to me. They're not answering my emails. They're not filling out the forms. They're not holding up their end of the bargain uh, in this arrangement so that we can serve our client. Or it's like that person keeps stepping in and trying to do my job. I wish they would just trust me. And, and assuming what the other people are thinking and justifying their reactions based on your own speculation. And like 99.9% of the time, it has nothing to do with the actual reason that that person is doing those things. And, and do you think that that is usually a single person problem or is it an organizational problem? Is it a team problem, management problem? Where do you see that come from? Because most organizations start breaking down at, at a failure point. And, and where do you see that failure point end up being in the company? A lot of it starts from the top. And, and that could be whenever the company was founded, um, and when a new leadership team takes over and the kind of culture that they create. So when you create an environment where people can openly communicate and sit down and be like, hey, 
I've noticed that you guys are doing X and I really need you to do Y so we can achieve this end result together. How can I change what we're doing? Or, or let's, let's start brainstorming some ideas here uh, so that we can both come out ahead and then ultimately serve the client, which is the main goal. Uh, and not having that sort of framework or that open line of communication and making it a part of the culture where it's not wrong to be like, hey, I've noticed that you've been making some mistakes on this thing. Is it the software? Is it confusing to use? Were you not trained enough? Uh, do we have crappy Wi-Fi here? And it just takes so long to do it. You'd rather write it on paper instead. Um, what's what's the situation? How can we fix it? Uh, rather than blaming or or accusing. Yeah, and that and that's probably the easiest way to look at it, right? Is you got to go and diagnose. You got to ask the people who are involved. What do you find? Where are the wins? Where are the losses? Where are the you know how can we change the opportunity? What do you think could be improved? And if you go back into the organization and talk to more than just one person who thinks there's a problem, usually you can start figuring out where it where it all trails back to, right? Totally, totally, and and a lot of it comes from the history, you know, that that person's history with the company. So is this leadership team someone who comes out with some new groundbreaking initiative every six weeks and then within two weeks, they've already forgot about it. So now you just don't really waste your time getting on board with anything that somebody else says. because uh, why would it be any different this time? And, and you start to just get complacent or uh, dismissive. And, and it's, it's practices like that that you don't realize are, are psychologically uh, changing the culture uh, and, and your employees. And, and it's not like a quick fix. You can't just like suddenly start following through with your stuff or, or whatever the, the breakdown may be, but at least recognizing what the real issues are so that you can address them and like be honest and open. I mean, like, you know what? I got the feedback and I realized how big a mistake I've been making and I want to take ownership and I want to fix this so all of us can win and all of us can enjoy our time here. And that's common vision, right? That's a common thread going forward and trying to figure out how we're going to move the business in the right direction. Yeah, totally. So we have this this thing in, in a few of our different companies here. It's a stack of things that are important to us and I'll, and I'll rifle them off here. We go through eliminate, elimination, prioritization, automation, and delegation, right? That's the order in which we solve all of our problems. Uh, Which one of the, and I'll read those again, elimination, prioritization, automation, and then delegation. Which one of those do you think is the most important for people to focus on, especially when they're a lean startup, maybe under 20 employees, under 5 million, kind of just getting going and trying to figure out where to go? I mean, I think that list should be gone through in order for anything, but definitely elimination. Uh, especially if you've read, you know, the book Good to Great, Collins talks about that a lot. It's like, just get simple. And, and one of the points that he, he makes in that book, which I really, really love, is like, figure out what, not what do you want to be the best at, but what do you have the ability to be the best at? And that's from an individual, a team, and a company level. And then just focus on that. And when you start trying to do everything, you can't do any of the things well enough and then you fail.
Well, and, and that's true because a lot of people start going through the process. One of the, the biggest things that I see when we go in on, on the prospecting side is everybody's always like, how can we automate, automate, automate every process in the business? Well, right. if you start on step three, which for us is, is automation, and you haven't prioritized and you haven't eliminated, well, what if you could just eliminate the step that you're now trying to automate, right? Maybe right. you're running credit cards every single month for people, or maybe you're doing invoicing every single month for people. What if you just set that to auto go, right? Yep. You've yep. Now you've eliminated the step instead of worrying so much about how can I automate this or you checking your email, right? Instead of uh, having your email come all the time, just have it manually push and push twice a day, once or twice per day, right? And Absolutely. people are so focused on like, how do I automate, automate, automate when really just trying to eliminate the 80% of the stuff that produces the 20% of the results, right? That'd be way more efficient. Yep. Especially like marketing is, you know, every company wants to have a podcast and a YouTube channel and Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and Facebook and billboards and everything else. It's like, well, where are your clients? Right. Oh, well, they're generally on LinkedIn. Like, cool. Well, that wasn't even on the list you gave me. So let's let's scrub that whole list and let's focus on LinkedIn. Uh, and one of the best analogies, I, oh man, I wish I could remember who said this. But it was like, if you want to get a really good sandwich, you can dig through a lot of trash cans hoping that someone threw away a good sandwich, or you can just go to a deli and get a sandwich. So go to where the customers are instead of trying to spread yourself thin everywhere uh, or whatever the context may be, selling things, uh, it doesn't matter. Just focus on the things that that move the needle with the biggest impact. Right, and, and what are your thoughts on on the misuse of tools? And let me qualify that a little bit because maybe that's kind of a vague question, but for the people that end up listening to this, biggest problem that I see on a technology side is people misusing tools. Number one example is using email as a direct message tool within your company, right? Email is not designed to fire off 50 emails internally and CC a bunch of people on it, right? There's other tools for that, right? There's Trello boards for doing workflow. There's internal CRMs with messengers. There's Slack. There's all these other tools that instead of looking at how can we, you know, just eliminate that process, why don't we just use the right tool for the right job, right? If you're trying to put a screw in, use a screwdriver, not a hammer. Totally. And I think that really ties into our previous point is elimination. Like, do we, do we need to include all of these people on these communications or could we set up a team of, you know, a, a series of structured meetings throughout our, our week and our month where everyone can meet on, on these things, have, you know, a check-in first thing in the morning. And if all of us know what we're working on throughout the day, Maybe we don't have to keep emailing, asking each other, what projects are you working on? What is your, your progress? Where are you in this thing? When we all could have had a five minute huddle to start the day and figure out, cool, I'll have this to you by lunch and you're gonna do this thing by the end of the day and you need till next week because this thing came up. It's cool, well, we wrapped up early so I got a guy that can go help you. Uh, and that just saved tons of emails walking around. And those emails, like you pointed out, they're distractions. So the ding goes off on your computer, you see the notification on your phone, that takes you away from whatever it is you're doing. So it just, it compounds. Oh, and it's total, it's total gear changing all the time, right? It's first to fifth, first to fifth, over and over and over again, right? You would never do that in a car, you blow the transmission, but in, in your mind, you do that, right? Cause you go, yep. you know, I'm in, I'm in deep thought work for 20 minutes. And then, like you said, ding, text message goes off, ding, emails goes off, 
first of all, the text messages from something that's totally unrelated to work that you don't need. And then the email, some list that you're subscribed to that you have notifications on for. So now you've been distracted twice within a five minute window about two things that don't help you that just wasted your time. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Eliminate, get rid of it. Yeah. Don't you don't have yep. it. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's, and that's, I think really important for people to actually audit and audit their time and audit what they do every single day. I always recommend people to go to rescuetime.com and download the little rescue time app. It just kind of load, it just sits in the background um, on the computer and it tracks all the different tasks that you do. And then you can categorize them later, but it basically looks at how efficient were you? Did you spend right. all your time in your calendar? Did you spend all your time in your um, email? Did you do it all on Facebook? Like where did you spend your time so you can get a real audit instead of just mentally thinking about what you did? Absolutely. There's one, you know, for uh, cell phones also, which is a huge thing. I got one a couple years ago and just saw how much time I spent on Facebook and Instagram. And, and this was like marketing stuff, but it was still a tremendous amount of time on there. And I'm like, the time I'm investing, is that even worth the return that I'm getting? Oh yeah, and, and we actually have this funny like unspoken rule that I try and tell some of our clients about, and you probably have some kind of offshoot of this, but we have what we call the $500 rule. And the $500 rule has two pieces to it. The very first thing is everybody audit your time as if it's worth $500 now. The question is, is, is this 15 minutes that you're about to waste on Facebook worth $125 an hour? Would you pay that right now to spend 15 minutes on Facebook? If the answer is yes, do it. If the answer is no, don't do it, right? That's the first part of the $500 rule. The second part of the $500 rule is discretionary funds. That one of the biggest ways that companies waste time and money is by having an organizational structure that requires approval at every step. So what we do in our company is we have a $500 discretionary income for every single person, contractor and employee in the company every month. And the way it works is they have the credit card, they can spend the $500 on whatever they want to optimize the business or make the business better without approval, without checking with anyone. And at the end of each 30 day cycle, we'll check it to see if it works. Yeah, Simple. Oh, man, empowered decision-making. It's like one of the most bastardized uh, buzzwords, I think of the last 10 years, and it's the most misused. Um, you know, just because you tell someone they're empowered and they can make decisions, it means nothing if they still have to ask you before they can act on that decision. So right. yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, obviously you set parameters. I like the, I love the $500 limit there you know no company cars for folks just because they, they sure want to go to a sales meeting and look cool right but at right. The same but, time, but it allows them to get focused too right because now they're thinking like well wait a second i now have the power to make a decision on something so one they're empowered right and then yep. the second part of that is you you look at what you've given them and you've basically just given them access to be you know problem solvers yeah and if a client calls them and they're like hey uh this part wasn't delivered and I need the thing, you're like, cool. Well, can I like send an, an Uber driver to pick it up from the warehouse and drive it four miles to my client's office or task rabbit or something? Like I've got the money and I can make a client happy today and I don't have to get approval to spend this, this expense, which isn't an expense because uh, it's gonna buy you future purchases with this client. Uh, it's a, it's a no brainer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's actually, you brought up a really good point there and you kind of threw it in there subtly, but, and, and I don't know who said this quote originally, but they said, if spending money makes you money, you didn't actually spend it. 
Yeah, it's an and investment, it's true. not an expense. It's right. It's You're basically saying like, listen, it, it didn't actually cost you any money if it made you money. Yeah. And that's like the easiest way. People don't think about that. Like they say, oh, I just spent $100. Yeah, but you just made 500 If I gave you, if I came to you every single day and say, give me $100 and I'll give you $500, you would do that every single day of the week because it just makes, no, you know, there's just a no-brainer there. That's I essentially commerce. That. Yeah, I would just have it sent to your account every day. So you right. send it back to me. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. You, you would do that logically yourself, right? And everybody would do that. There's no person on this planet that would not do that. Now, right. the reason people don't trust in that process with commerce or just standard business is because that exchange isn't always so clear, right? Realistically, Correct. people are paying to either have more money or more time or both, right? That's really what people are trying to buy over time. They either want to multiply the capital they have or they want to get back time, which is the craziest concept for me because people will spend their whole lives giving away their time to make money to go buy back time. Right, which is why the deferred life plan, kind of four hour work week stuff from Tim Ferriss, he talks about why are you waiting until 65 to take a trip? It makes no sense. Do it right. now because you don't have to. Work life balance isn't about balancing the two, it's about doing both. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean if you get injured or die or anything happens before you hit that period, or like, I don't know, you can't walk to go enjoy any of the things that you saved up all of this this energy and expectation for then it's all for naught and i also don't like i can't even imagine sitting down every day be like well i'm gonna just plow through the next eight hours because that's what i have to do to be happy someday in the future like i that short amount of time with potential happiness at the expense of guaranteed unhappiness now like that's that's madness. Well, and, and and that's like, you know, when you come back to the consulting work that you do, you must see a bunch of crazy stuff that people go through and they're working super hard to get a business going, but then they never take any time to enjoy it, right? They probably are just grind, 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 grind. And then they come out 15 years later and realize, oh shit, I missed a lot of things. Right. And I'm sure you've seen a bunch of this too. It's like, there's something to, to brag about the whole grinding the the old school gary v i think before people really understood what his values were before he really vocalized them uh but working 16 hour days and not sleeping not seeing your friends not doing anything except work and and when you look at that 16 hour day like how much of that was really productive you probably could have shaved half of that out of there and then had a spa day after you did something and no one would have ever noticed. Oh, that's absolutely true. And you could go through this elimination process. Like I did this myself this week. I just spent four days in Denver at a work trip. So we worked over the weekend and all that, but I came through Monday, did a dinner on Monday and I never do dinners for, for business reasons, but I did a dinner for four hours at a, a beautiful Italian place. Right. And then I took yep. all of Tuesday off and tomorrow yeah. I'm taking all of Friday off. I haven't taken those two days off ever because I'm so afraid that like, what's going to happen, right? Nothing happened Monday night. Nothing happened Tuesday. <laughs> Probably nothing's going to happen tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you're so yeah. paralyzed by fear of like, oh, well, if I don't work 16 hours today, it's going to be a problem. Now, if you do nothing for a month, yeah, some stuff's going to probably happen in your business. But in my opinion, the best thing you could do is try to eliminate, try to extract yourself from your business once in a while and see what happens. Figure out, does is this a business or is this just you wrapped around a business, right? Because if you can't leave, it's not really a business. 
you've created a job for yourself. You're not an entrepreneur. And that was one of the hardest things for me to like wrap my mind around. Like I wanted to be an entrepreneur so bad. And then all the things that I was doing, I mean, as a professional photographer for 10 years, which is what led to this, this consulting, uh, I call it, I guess, an adventure because I'm having a hell of a time doing it. Uh, a, a great time. Let me, let me rephrase that. Um, I could not make money if I wasn't in the room. I'm like, wow, this is not what I wanted to build for myself. And my mentor like helped me see all those things, which like I'm a coach and I have coaches and mentors. Like you, you can never outgrow that. Uh, and it just, I, I realized that I was working really, really hard for something that wasn't going to satisfy the goal I set out to achieve. And that's why I shut down my business of 10 years, started over. And I could also argue that a consultant, uh, I have to be working to make money, but I can grow a firm. I can, I can work remotely, uh, which is a huge thing. I can't photograph remotely, but I can consult remotely. And that's big for me. So I can take a month off in the summer and go to France. Like I, I did for eight years before I got into uh, photography, like I did. And and I don't have to stop. And it's amazing. Yeah, and, and that's the beauty, right? Is it, there's only three currencies in the world, right? There's time freedom, uh, location freedom, and money freedom, right? Those are the three big things. And you just talked about, you know, going to France for a month. There's your location freedom and time freedom, right? You work when you want. You're not in the same time zones as you're used to. It's You've totally changed a variety of things. But the best part is that you've eliminated yourself from the business in the way that you don't have to be there. And with your consulting, it's high ticket in the sense that the value you're providing and the dollars you're being paid for your professional service, you're getting paid as a professional so you can work 20, 25, 30 hours a week instead of 70 because you're getting paid for value, not for time, right? Poor people get paid for time and that's not negative towards people as a whole, but if you're selling your time, you're never gonna get ahead. It's a mindset. It's exactly it took me a long time to get it. Yeah. I felt really uncomfortable charging what I charge now. Like I couldn't even imagine a five figure day. Like that blew my mind. A month would have been just amazing, but a day unimaginable. Now it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to meet with you for this day and I'm going to save you like 50 grand this year. So the 10 grand you gave me, I, again, trading 10 grand for 50. I'll do that every day of the week. That's exactly it. So to kind of like narrow this in and, and, and wrap this up, because this is a super killer session we did here. What is the biggest takeaway that you've had from consulting these businesses? And then how can people reach you? You know, email, phone number, website, whatever it is you want to throw up there. Totally. Biggest takeaway. Hmm. Everyone wants to contribute to something big. And it's not always clear how, it's not always clear how to do, or like, or what the, the motivation is, like what piece of the puzzle do they want to put in? But if you just invest a little bit of time and a little bit of energy trying to understand people, they will tell you. And then you're like, cool, you are, the edge piece that's like mostly blue, but like there's that little weird white spot over there. And they will be the best goddamn edge piece that's mostly blue, a little bit of white spot you've ever had. And you won't have to motivate them to work hard. Just 
pay them what they're worth, treat them like a really good human, and they'll just stay and keep crushing it for you. Uh, it's just figuring out like, how to allow people to serve their purpose. I think that's my biggest takeaway. That, that's re that's really a big one. So uh, throw down some some links or some numbers or something so people can reach you. What's the best way? Is it LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Carrier Pigeon, email? What do you got? Yeah, I usually say you can shine a big taco light in the sky like Batman, but taco and I will come <laughs> running. Tacos are my jam. Uh, yeah, MikeLloydCoaching.com is my website. You can apply to work with me there. Find me on LinkedIn, Mike Lloyd, two L's, O-Y-D. Um, the guy with the painted nails and the top hat. I look like I might play in a band with Trent Reznor, um, <laughs> but I will come in and help you turn your business around. So that, That's awesome. Well, thank you so much yep. for coming on the prospecting show and sharing some of your vision and how you're helping other businesses. I, I'm looking forward to, you know, what the, what the listeners have to say. Everyone gives me great feedback at the end of every episode. So I look forward to sharing that with you and, and thank you for taking half hour out of your day. Thanks for having me.